0: I am flying solo for the third day in a row because this week of Pacers news and basketball has been crazy, has been interesting, has been full of great stories, and I have so many thoughts that I could do probably more than a daily show on this team right now. But there's lots to get to today that Pacers smoke the Knicks at home. You'd have no idea this team was playing with a giant report about their futures hanging over their head. They played one of their best three or four performances of the season against a pretty good Knicks team, completely routed them at home, going to break down that game probably do that in the second segment Chris Duarte was excellent excellent maybe his best game of the season one of his best games of the season for sure which I think is really important in the context of what is going on with the Pacers right now so I'm going to talk a lot about him but I got to lead off with the big news usually the big news is what happens in the game basketball is a game and I like to talk about the games that's what this is all about but I got to play the hits that is how the structure of talking about a team and the stories around them go and the hit right now is the Pacers might be headed for a rebuild as reported by The Athletic two days ago, Um, and the Pacers played a game today, which meant that players spoke to the media after the game. So we got to hear more thoughts uh, and more detail from Rick Carlisle, uh, DeMontis, Simonis, Miles Turner, and Chris Duarte after the game about kind of the state of the team where they're headed, what really happened, what's going on, and and adre- they addressed the media about all that stuff, which I thought was was good and 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 it was well said by everybody. And it kind of provided more clarity on the situation, what is going on. So yes, the Pacers smoked the Knicks. That what we will talk about in a moment. But first up was Rick Carlisle on the stand after the game. And I asked him, you know, I said, hey, there was a report in the athletic yesterday about, you know, potential changes coming to this team. How have you kind of, or how have you addressed your team in the last 24 hours? What kind of Go there. And I'm going to read the quote here. Thank you to James Boyd from the Indy Star for typing it all out. So I'm going to read what he said verbatim to you. Rick Kyle, said, we talked to our top four players. Uh, in this case, that is Sabonis, Brogdon, Turner, and Levert. He said, we talked to our top four players yesterday. I believe it was printed somewhere. Uh, and Kevin and I met with them and made it clear we want to win with this team. This team was put together with the idea that this could work. We've been up against it with some injuries and some bad luck and stuff like that. But that's the NBA. You got to deal with that stuff. Trades are always possible in this business, and our guys know that. They get into this, they sign NBA contracts that basically state that, but the pattern of this franchise has not been to make a bunch of in-season moves, and I don't know if they've made any in-season trades in Kevin's tenure. I may be wrong about that, but I don't think that they have. doesn't mean that it won't happen at some point, but as soon as that thing with the rumors and stuff came out yesterday, we grabbed those guys, and we're not trying to hide the fact that we're talking to them about it. So, as Miles stated later, they were getting ahead of it. They were saying, hey, guys, this report is coming out. So what did we learn from this quote? One, Kevin Purchard was in this conversation. That was not necessarily uh, detailed yesterday, which is important. He's a front office person, not just a coach talking to his players. That's not necessarily like a figurehead passing down the information kind of thing. That is a, we want to be on the same page symbiotic. Here's what's going on with the Pacers kind of talk. And I actually, you know, a lot of the times, you know, in these media sessions like this, they can say whatever they want and go on challenge. And I'm not going to say that Rick Carlisle is lying, but I am going to say I think it's very possible that what he said is true, that they got brought those guys in and they said, we like this team and think we can win with them. That's why we brought in Rick Carlisle in the first place. In fact, this – if this is what happened in this meeting, this gives more merit to them bringing in Carlisle because he said, we still think we can win with this team. We brought – we we built this team with the idea that we can win with it and it can work, right? So I think that's what they actually said to these guys and I think that there was an addendum to this where they said, but – we are considering other options at this time. And they wouldn't, you know, they don't bring guys in for a meeting just to say, hey, we still think we can win with this group that we built, right? So the meeting has been confirmed by Carlisle with those four guys, uh, suggesting that they had some talks about the future of this team and what it looks like. And he did mention that trades are possible. And he is right. Kevin Pritchard, not normally a big midseason trades guy. Um, he did do the Oladipo LeVert deal, but that was more of a oh, wow, we can jump into this James Harden trade kind of thing. Remember, KP kind of detailed it as, you know, they weren't the aggressors in in making that happen. They just hopped into a deal that was already kind of being constructed, right? The only in-season trade he ever made, if you remember, was Ekani Bogu for Nick Stauskas. um, someone else who had a guaranteed minimum deal, and cash, right? Like, a, or And a second-round pick, right? It was a complete salary dump, second-round pick kind of thing uh, that meant absolutely nothing to the Pacers and their success on the court. So he has not been an in-season trader, and that's kind of something I said yesterday. Like, think about the history of the Pacers when you're considering how they might go about this rebuild and retool. And I actually think that this meeting happening and some of the quotes from the players suggests even more that retooling is the right word to describe what the Pacers are going to do because, like I said yesterday, they, they talked about the report talked about either Sabonis or Turner building around a good player in Duarte. They can't trade Brogdon, right? Like they already have a core in place that's still going to be present on their next good team. It seems like retooling is what the Pacers are trying to do, and that involves some of the guys in this meeting, which is why they had it in the first place. So that's not it. They still also uh, we also heard from players. We heard from uh, Turner and Sabonis in particular. Duarte was not really asked about all this trade stuff, but. Um, So said, we don't really think about that kind of stuff, we saw it, it doesn't matter, we're professional athletes and we're going to do our job, we all love playing here, and that's easy for him to say after they win by 20, right, I think that's good that he's, like, if they had lost this game and he said that, it would also be powerful, but it's clear that they can't ignore it, uh, and the Pacers can move on from it, but again, no denial, this meeting definitely happened, Um, so that, I'm not pretending like it was like a maybe thing that this meeting happened. It obviously did. Sky Agnes was at practice and saw it. It was reported in many places, but we're getting it on the record from people, what was said, why they had it in the first place. And I think that is important to get all the angles from this, from everybody involved. Sabonis later saying, we're excited to be here. We want to turn the page and win. And uh, Sabonis mentioned how nice it was that this actually happened, that the coaching staff and the front office is getting ahead of this instead of just having players find out the way we all find out when a report just drops not out of the blue, but you know, like that—that uh, that they got ahead out ahead of it, and they said, "Hey, this is coming out, and this is why." And uh, the fact that they had this meeting again suggests that yes, that the Pacers could be headed for changes, and the players know that, and they're still going to play well, knowing that maybe that could change the way that the team is—who is moved or how it's perceived or what they need to do if it is a retool or rebuild, whatever. Uh, and they—they—they they, they kicked some butt against New York today, so that. Is a nice start to that sort of post-post change in um, ideology era. Miles Turner then coming to the stand, and uh, James Boyd from the Indy Star. Poor James was asking Miles about um, about all this stuff, and Miles first said to him, "I know you're new here, bro, but my name's in a trade rumor every day," <laughs> which was very funny because Miles has been in trade rumors basically since he got here, um, which was funny. But uh, Turner said the same thing that you know Pritchard and Carlisle were trying to get ahead of of the article on the piece, and that, that's kind of all that he wants as a player, that they keep it um, keep it real with players. And we've heard in the past that Pacers executives and coaches do like to tell players when they're in trade talks ahead of time just to let them know, like, hey, you could be on the move. Turner talked about two summers ago, uh, he went into detail about how the team had talked to him about, hey, like you were in trade talks for Hayward, um, and they didn't get Hayward, and they were public about talking about Hayward's name specifically, right? We know that that all happened. Uh, And 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 Turner knew he was in those talks because the front office is so upfront about that stuff. So, again, they wouldn't just have a meeting and just be like, we still believe in this team. Like, I believe that that was something that was said uh, that they think this team can work still. I definitely do, because, again, they hired Carlisle. He's not a rebuild kind of coach. This franchise isn't a tear down kind of team. Right. I think they said, hey. We still think this can work, but the results aren't so good. They haven't been for two years, and we feel like a retooling could help us build to a better future with the pieces that we have. You guys are the leaders on this team. No one is technically safe. We'll see what this ends up being, but don't expect they tear it down. I think that is kind of how this meeting went, given what we learned from – Uh, from Turner, Sabonis, and Carlisle. And Turner even said at the end, I love it here, I want to win here. He said that for forever and ever. Very loyal guy, very franchise loyalist kind of guy. So that is the leadership core group called in to be a part of this this conversation. And the fact that Kevin Pritchard was there again is important because he's the guy who is the ultimate decision maker who signs off on all this stuff. Well, Herb Simon really is, but he's the one who makes these specific decisions and contacts of the teams, things like that. So I think it's important that we know what that conversation was like, why it happened, what was said. And I think kind of now, if I had to describe it to someone else, I would say it as, yes, the the Pacers have decided on a direction. They would like to retool as of now. They were 10 and 16. They had a four-game losing streak last week that almost certainly influenced them and pushed them into this direction. As a result, they determined it's time to retool. The core they have right now is not working, right? And then they learned this piece is coming out. That information got out as they had conversations with presumably agents or other teams or whatever – so they knew that report was coming out. So they rounded up the team's leadership and they got Rick and Kevin and they said, guys, we might be changing directions. This is not working. We are not playing as well as we thought. And we've made a lot of changes elsewhere in the organization and it's still not going well. And, you know, we still think this team can win. That's why we built it. And we like all the players here. So we're going to have patience and, and see the offers and retool. But we are potentially looking to retool. That is my best guess, given what I know, given what's been said, given what makes sense in the timeline of events of what happened, what this meeting was about, and where the Pacers are right now, given what we know. So perhaps we'll learn more information in the coming days, um, but that is where we're at. That is what players said after the game. That is what Rick Carlisle said after the game, and now we have a better idea of what the scope of this is for the Pacers, I think. And I still think the athletic report is, is going to end up being spot on, that they end up do retooling in some way, but <laughs> wins like tonight can always kind of make you forget about those kind of things for a few seconds. Like if you were a fan and this was your first game ever watching the Pacers was tonight, you would have no idea that behind the scenes, the front office was thinking something to the effect of we need to kind of retool this team. They're not very good because they destroyed the New York Knicks. A very focused and, and methodical performance. They looked awesome in this game. So let's talk about an actual basketball game, one in which the Pacers kicked the Knicks butts. But first... Let's, of course, talk about two great groups of people. First up, the good folks over at Shopify, because cha-ching, I love that sound. That sound makes me smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify. And if you didn't know, they're the complete commerce platform that lets you start, grow, and manage a business. The subscription-based software allows anyone to set up an online store and sell their products using Spotify's point-of-sale app and accompanying hardware. They give entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses so upstart startups and established businesses can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales and effortless, effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility and Shopify helps make that possible. They have the tools and resources that make it any easy for any business to succeed from down to the street, around the globe. Shopify powers over 1.7 million businesses. It allows you to gain insights and grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins and beyond. Go to Shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial to get the full access of Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to Shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA right now, Shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA. Let's also talk about True Bill. because you know why free trials are new without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you Stop letting greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill. Take control of your subscriptions. It's a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it simple. Link your accounts. Truebill will cancel unwanted subscriptions in one tap. They have a concierge on there to help you when you need them. They can cancel subscriptions for you. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash NBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash MBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash NBA Let's forget about all that retooling, rebuilding changes coming the Pacers' way for a second because this is a basketball team that plays basketball games. This is a basketball podcast about a basketball team playing basketball games. And the Indiana Pacers played a basketball game last night and beat the doors off the New York Knicks. Always fun to see Hicks versus Knicks. Always fun when the Pacers beat the Knicks, especially for people who have been fans of this team for a longer time. So thank you for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today. Let's actually talk about Pacers basketball for a little bit. We'll get back to the other stuff. There will be plenty of time to talk about the other stuff. Pacers destroyed the Knicks. They win by 20 at home. It was one of their most complete performances of the season. They won every quarter. They tied the fourth, I suppose, but they they looked better than the Knicks literally every moment of this game. There was scarcely a time where the Knicks felt threatening. The Knicks were up three points right at the beginning. Pacers took the lead about four minutes into the game. Never looked back. Got as close as two for a little bit, but they were winning for almost the entire game. They got up to a 27-point lead. Uh, never had a run longer than 12, so they were just kind of methodically, smoothly just kicking the Knicks butt for the whole game. And It was really spearheaded by defense because, you know, beyond what's going on behind the scenes with this team, that's something that I wanted to know after this game and ask players is like, hey, look, I get that other stuff's going on, but like you guys went 0-4 last week and looked miserable to the point of your coach making you watch half of a game you just played right after the game, right? And then this week, you look great. You're smoking teams that have beaten you this season already. What's changed? And Sabonis talked about effort, and I agree that that's there. Their closeouts look better. Their energy looks better. Their force looks better. They're, you know, they're playing through contact. There's no lapses in transition defenses. No not hustling back, diving on the floor. All that kind of stuff. That's all there. That's all stuff that the Pacers used to be so good at. But what Carlisle said and what Miles Turner said to an extent is like their defense is way better in these two games. And I 100% agree with that. They played great defense against the, the Wizards. Uh, and they played really good defense again tonight against the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks shot 30% from three. Nine of 30 from, from three, 41.9% from the field. They turned it over 13 times. The rebounding wasn't great. They only had 36 rebounds in total, right? The Knicks were smothered by the Pacers. They they struggled to get good looks all night. That's why they shot so poorly, and they did not get enough steals on their own defense to have that sort of easy, efficient offense, right? The Pacers only had nine turnovers. That's really low, especially for them this season. That's a great way to make it easier in yourself to play defense when you're playing half-court defense a bunch, right? So... Pacers' defense was has been a big theme this week to me of why they've sort of turned it around, and that was the, the case in this game as well, right, against the Wizards. They gave, up they gave up over 60 points in the second half, only gave up 110 in total because their defense started that game really well, which set the tone for them to get that win, right? So defense has been a big improvement for them in this turnaround. But again, like in this game, like I talked about on Tuesday's show when they beat the Wizards, a lot of the low-hanging fruit stuff that was so obvious that they needed to change to get a little better – Happens once again. Savonis gets the ball in advantageous positions. 21 points, 5 assists, 11 rebounds. No turnovers. He was awesome. Plus 22. He just kicked (laughs) the Knicks butts all night. Pacers in general shot well from 3, 10 for 27. That's 37%. And this is two games in a row where their three-point attempts are down a little bit. And I think that's noteworthy as they search for better shot quality. One, because they all will say, yeah, we like our three-point attempts. And I think they do. They were all open, but... They had to work really hard to get those open threes, and it wasn't always the best guys taking them. I think they're being a little more careful about who and when they are taking threes now. That has been a welcome change to their offensive profile. And in turn, they are just making more shots. They're getting into the paint more, taking shots that they're just better at in general. So better shooting percentage equals better. Less turnovers is obviously good. And then again, a big key for them when they're playing at their best, balance. The most shots taken by a Pacers player was 13 in this game. Miles Turner took 13 shots. No one took more than 13. That's how they should do it. Their top four shot takers, Turner, Levert, Brogdon, Duarte, all at 11. Simonis took eight, but he took the most free throws by a mile. So the shots that he missed when he gets fouled, if you add those in, really balanced starter performance. Like This is probably the most balanced we've seen the Pacers play with their starting unit in general. The starting five was fantastic in this game. I think this is the maybe the best they've looked as a unit all season. Brogdon had 16, five, 4, and 5. Lavert had, uh, he shot 45.5%. Lavert had 15.6 assists. That's huge for him as they have TJ McConnell out. They've needed someone to kind of take a playmaking role on when Brogdon's out and Brad Wanamaker, we'll talk about him in a minute, has done an okay job at that. But Lavert stepping up in that department's really big. 22 points, four rebounds, two blocks for Miles Turner. He was the highest plus minus guy this game. I already talked about Savonis. Then Duarte. Probably his best game of the season, 9 for 11 from the field, 23 points, 3 rebounds, 6 assists. All the starters were fantastic. All Pacers starters plus 20 or better. That unit clicking is huge. If they can get that to be a consistent thing, they actually could kind of write the ship. I mean, they were 9 and 16. That's a horrible record. But uh, get the ship closer to toward the direction, <laughs> at least, that they, that they were hoping it would go when the season started. So lots of promising stuff from the starting five as they played together. And the bench was no slouches as well. O'Shea Brissett, another effective game with five points and six rebounds. His work on the glass these last two games has been good. Keelan Martin shot four of seven for eight points. Wanamaker played 18 comfortable minutes, right? Like, he did. this was probably his worst, air quotes, game since McConnell went down, and he wasn't even that bad. He shot three for seven. He had no turnovers. He had six points and three rebounds. Like, he had four fouls, and wasn't quite as sharp as he was two nights ago against the Wizards, but he has been much better since McConnell got injured at the beginning of December. Really. He's been much better since he had that 12 point game in Charlotte in mid November to now. Then he, he was really bad when Brogdon went down early in the season. No denying it. Like to the point that I dedicated a whole podcast segment to should he even play? He has been playable and useful in this stretch. That's been nice for the Pacers to have someone to fill in for TJ McConnell and Torrey Craig was in the rotation uh, for a little bit in this game. He provided some nice defensive minutes as well. So they got good bench production again. That was really important for them in beating Washington. And they didn't provide as much in terms of scoring punch or offensive punch, but they still were filling their roles in an effective way that allowed, you know, O'Shea Brissett to shoot two for eight, but still be plus seven because he's fitting really well with the starters. He played over 20 minutes again. That seems like something that will continue. So really complete performance from this team. And I think that their comments that, ring the most true to me is they are playing better defense. And that's kind of been something the Pacers with this roster have been much better at is they're a better defensive team than offensive team, but they're also finding all the ways to win that they weren't. That seems so obvious from the last couple weeks. And I I said this on Tuesday show. I said this last Friday, even I talked about it today. Again, they're shooting the right shots. They're shooting effectively on those shots. The ball's going to the right player. It's not just chilling out on the perimeter. They're playing inside out. They're sharing the ball. They're not turning it over as much. Like every single thing that you go, wow, the Pacers have stunk at this this year and this this year and this this year and this is year. They're doing all of them these last two games. And I talked about on Tuesday, hey, if the stuff they did against the Wizards that was so obvious to fix to make them better, can they repeat those things? Well, this is chance one to repeat those things. And they have all the distractions in the world that could make them get lazy, revert to bad habits. And they repeated those things. So I'm not saying it's going to be something that's repeatable for this team going forward. They have yet to win three games in a row this entire season if they beat carlisle's old team the maz on friday it'll be their longest winning streak of the season they have not been successful in sustaining play like this all season but this to me has been an encouraging two games in that they have identified their problems they have told us all of them they had a two-day weekend stretch where they could really breathe really have a hard training camp practice talk them through, figure it out, and they're doing it. They're actually doing what they said they would do, unlike last week, where they were just saying what they should do and not actually doing it. So good to see the Pacers playing how they say they need to play. Guys are playing their role correctly. Guys are fitting in together, and they have most of their healthy team at the same time for the first time in a while, Sands McConnell being out. So Justin Holiday's 10 days from his – covid absence i believe ends on friday he'll have not have played in 10 days so i really doubt that they'll just say yep you can play against dallas uh they've kind of found a solid rotation these last two games too so i don't think we'll see him for another game but but next monday against golden state he will definitely be out of protocol by then so more resources potentially on the way for a team that is figuring it out is finding the ways to play together is finding the ways to play as a better unit and that's, that's good for a team that's going to have – I mean, here's the thing about the rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it, story and, and theme that will be hanging over this team for the next two months until the trade deadline. It will never go away, right? They're going to play – they could play awesome for weeks, but it will never go away. The conversation will, and I have to be a part of this. It's important for a team that is going to be in rebuild mode. You have to talk about the context of what it fits into. Does this raise this guy's trade value? Does this make this guy more important for the Pacers to keep? Does this guy fit with Duarte or the future of their next retool project, right? It's going to always be a distraction. So if they're able to play well and avoid it being an internal distraction and more of just something they have to answer in media sessions, that's good for this team. That's good for their fans and something they can hang their hat on going forward. This was step one of that. They did a fantastic job. They passed with flying colors. On the test, they have a tough, tough matchup with Luka Doncic on Friday to try to do it again. Luka's been very good against the Patriots in the past. So Chris Duarte was awesome in this game. 23.6 assists. I want to talk about Duarte, why I think he's a key player and everything going on with this team and their success right now. So let's do that. But first, let's take a break and talk about someone new stance. Because I've been hearing a lot about Stance's apparel recently. Especially because they just launched a new line of active apparel. And it's holiday gifting time. Their socks, shirts, and joggers, and hoodies are awesome. And they're different versus other old, boring socks, underwear, and apparel that we'd always have to settle for back in the day. Stance changed the mindset by offering color, comfort, and creativity like no other. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel with a sharp focus on comfy, quality, and creativity. Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside of some of pop culture's hottest collaborators and the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear – should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. That Those who feel good do good. Go see for yourself, register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Just use the promo code LOCKED ON at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. It's so soft and comfortable. You have to try them out. That again is stance.com, promo code LOCKED ON. Thank you again for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen. I hope I can be your first listen every day. Check out Lockdown Knicks for their thoughts on this team. Lockdown NBA for more thoughts from me about the league at large and the Pacers. We're Locked On Mavs because the Pacers play the Mavs on Friday. But Chris Duarte was excellent in this game. He has merited a segment today for many reasons. One, he is playing very well recently, very well. He really struggled coming off that shoulder injury, right? He was really rough in Sacramento at 15, at 15 points that game, but got hurt in that game. Then a six-point game the following night, five for 14 the next game, seven points the next game, out for two games with the injury, then six points, eight points, nine points. Terrible stretch from him from the injury onward. They get a little break. They come back home. They finally have this home stand. Since the homestand started, Duarte has been much better as he's healing. Uh, not including tonight, Since the homestand started, 13 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, 1.7 assists, shooting over 40% from the field, positive plus-minus in that span. Tonight, obviously shooting very well at 9 of 11, 23 points. And the big one tonight, drumroll please, 6 assists. Chris Duarte tying a career high with 6 assists tonight. The Pacers are always going to play well when he has lots of passes that end up with positive buckets. But when he combines that with 9 for 11 shooting – He looks extremely effective. So, one, he is playing better recently. That's huge for this team and a big part of why they could turn it around, right? They were looking a little bit better before that four-game losing streak. He he was a part of that, right? Played good against the Lakers, played good against the Raptors. Everyone was kind of like, ooh, Duarte's playing good. Maybe this team can turn it around and then the losing streak. He played well during the losing streak or decent during the losing streak to be more apt. Why is this so important to me? Let's go back to our lovely story in The Athletic from Shams Trani and Bob Kravitz, who did excellent reporting on this, by the way. I have not talked about their role in this at all. Excellent reporting. Bob Kravitz has been around the indie media scene for forever, and he is just fantastic at all this. In that story, it says the Pacers are moving toward opening further playing time for Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson, the team's 13th and 22nd overall picks, respectively, in the 2021 NBA draft. That is a key part of this. Obviously, they're not going to trade away Chris Duarte in any sort of retool or rebuild. That defeats the purpose of doing it. He's good enough, though, that that, you know, I didn't really mention this yesterday because he's a rookie and they shouldn't dictate too much of your decision making. But part of the reason you might be more receptive to retooling now if you're the Pacers is you nailed a pick finally. You have youth pipeline that you're excited about for once, right? Before this draft, I always talked about this being a huge problem for the Pacers. Our youth pipeline was like. Aaron Holiday, Edmund Sumner, Goga Batadze, and that was kind of it. O'Shea set I mean, the at best, they have like a bench player in that group. They had a terrible youth pipeline. Isaiah Jackson looks very promising. Goga's looking better this year despite not ever being able to get on the court because the Pacers play the other bigs. And Duarte obviously looks fantastic as a rookie. Like, they are in this position now where they're able to retool comfortably because they actually had a good draft, at least so far. The early returns are very good on this draft. Duarte is such a key player in the Pacers' next steps. And I think he needs to, you know, he was excellent in this game, obviously. And he's been playing a lot of minutes. He played 35 minutes against the Hawks, 36 and a half minutes against the Heat. He would have played a lot of minutes in this game if they didn't go to the full bench. In the fourth quarter, a lot of bench minutes, including the deep bench. Dwayne Washington played. Isaiah Jackson played in this game against the Knicks. Duarte still played over 30 minutes, right? They are playing him more already. So step one of retooling or rebuilding with Duarte involved is playing him more. They're already doing that. That's already started. That's important to me as both a signal that they are pivoting to kind of the next era and two – Think about how Duarte fits into any move you would consider for the Pacers. He should not be the number one factor in any decision they make in terms of a trade, a swap, a whatever they want to do. Chris Duarte should not be the number one choice, but he should be very high in the totem pole of how does this guy fit with Duarte plus whatever? Because he, look, the game that he had tonight. He had 23 and 6 so easily, like very easily. Not not a lot of difficult – one or two difficult shots. That's who he is. He tries a lot of those difficult shots he creates himself, but a lot of easy shots, shot at easy, shot fake, drive baseline, create. Made it look very easy. It was a very good performance from him, and it's one of those games that you think about why they want to build around him. That's why. that Why they want to build around him and other stuff. That's why. He's good. He fits in a starting lineup right now. He's a rookie. He's played 25 games. He can already do that. So I think if you think about what you want the Pacers to do as a fan or what they should do, if the Pacers are thinking about what they themselves want to do, trading for guys who kind of have duplicative skill sets with him, right? Guys who need the ball and can't pass very well. You can have one of those playing alongside Duarte. You can't have multiple of those. Right, you can't have a lot of those guys who make it so he does not have the ball as much and can't be a growing player with the ball a lot or a growing player with opportunities to create, uh, or you know just just doesn't maximize him or his fit with other guys. Right, I asked him. I asked Chris Duarte after this game about how he feels about his fit with Sabonis, and he loves playing with Sabonis. Said so their pick and roll chemistry's been growing all season. It was very much on display in this game, uh, and he loves that Sabonis is a good dude. He's tight with him as a person. Right, so. You know, thinking of not, you know, I'm not saying Sabonis will be the center who is or isn't chosen. I'll get into specific trades at some other time in the future. But Duarte's role in all this and how they think of other guys who can be on the re- retooled, as I've said, version of the Pacers needs to be under the guise of how do they fit with Chris Duarte? Can they be someone who fits well with his skill sets or maximizes what he can be? Do we want a really ball dominant guard who, is an awesome scorer, but not necessarily the best passer? Probably not. Do we want a really good shooter who doesn't require a lot of touches but can absolutely bomb it away and is a big threat to the defense? Yes, we want that. Do we want a really good cutter and defender? Yes. You know, think about it in that form. If the front office is thinking like that, because that makes more sense on and that even like to, to go back to the the word rebuild versus retool, Duarte's kind of good now, right? Like, do you want to bottom out? He's he's um, he's not good enough to get uh, get you out of a tanking situation, but like he's he's a good player. He's starting and being effective every game. He's getting praise from everybody. Bradley Beal, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook. They're all on the same team, but still. Uh, Kevin Durant, like, they, they, they think this kid's good. He has to be one of, if not the biggest considerations for the Pacers in any move they make. Uh, in terms of how he, whatever they receive, whatever they decide to do and alter the team, how that impacts Duarte's future, how it impacts how he'll play, how it impacts how he fits in with the next team. It has to be a big consideration, and games like this are evidence of why, because they want to set him up to be as good as possible. He is obviously very good, right? He's played 25 games, and he just was their leading scorer in a 20-point win against a team that was the fourth seed in the conference last year. He is good. The Pacers need... To lean on that and have him be a key part of their planning and thinking as they go forward. And I think that's kind of obvious, but I think that's been an under-discussed part of this is that Chris Duarte is good enough that they're able to do this. It's a big reason that they're able to. So, yeah, those are my Duarte thoughts. And I I was thinking a lot during the game about his role in this and that if he is truly as good as he can play in this game, and he won't play like that every game, obviously, but – Chris Duarte has a big role in all this because this means a lot for him, right? The retooling around your rookie after 25 games, like he's just getting used to a new team. He'll have to do that again. Uh, Pat Boylan asked him a wonderful question after tonight's game because in college at Oregon, you play 25, 30 games in a season. He's already played that. He has 60-some to go. We are still learning so much about him, and we continue to will. We will continue to. That was a sentence as the season goes on, and he might get better. He might hit a rookie wall. He might get injured again. I don't know, but he's good enough now and playing this well, and he fits so well with what some of the pieces the Pacers already have. He has to be one of the top considerations in any retooling. And I think, think about how, if you're making a fake trade, please don't send it to me. Step one, step two, think about how, what you're receiving would fit with Chris Duarte. And if you think, no, oh, that might not be a great fit. uh, Stop and, and go back, start over, or go back to the drawing board because, He's a big piece in all this, and he's a big reason that they're able to retool and still have an interesting team, get get the right pieces back to transition into the next era, and he's good enough that it wouldn't count as a rebuild that someone like Rick Carlisle, who's a coach that wants to always win and does not always want to rebuild, would be much more confident in the direction of the team. Those are my Chris Duarte thoughts. I wanted to talk about him because I think his role in this, again, like I said, has been under-discussed, and if you have questions about how you feel like Chris Duarte fits into all this, please let me know. On Twitter at T East NBA. This podcast is on Twitter at Lockdown Pacers tomorrow. The Pacers play the Mavs, so I'm going to try to have someone from Lockdown Mavs on, not necessarily to preview the game like we usually do, but to talk about how Rick Carlisle handled the bridge from the really good Mavs teams with Dirk to worse Mavs teams that then became better. How did he coach through that span? Because that could be where the Pacers are headed, could not be. We'll talk about that game a little bit as well because of course this is a podcast about basketball games so thank you guys a ton for listening hope you have a great rest of your day and we will see you tomorrow